morning, everyone, and welcome back to Breakfast with Boz, being served by Wahoo. I am your host, Ian Boswell, once again at the breakfast table here with my wife, and I just made a recipe that I used to make back in the day when I was a young bike racer living in Northern California. I was on a budget, so I used to make a lot of tofu pancakes. I had a hookup for some cheap tofu, and I would get some boxed pancake mix, throw in some egg, some milk, whip it together and make some tofu pancakes. So I spiced up the recipe a little bit this morning and made some oatmeal tofu pancakes. And my wife Gretchen, who was sitting here next to me, said that she couldn't even taste the tofu. How were they, Gretchen? Uh, They were good. Yeah, I don't think I've ever had a tofu pancake, but uh, you put oats in the recipe, which I thought was nice, both ground oats and whole oats. So it was more like an oat pancake, which was nice. Gretchen said it was very earthy, but um, they weren't too sweet. But that's why you have pancakes, because you can put plenty of tasty toppings on top. Some jam, maple syrup, peanut butter, always for me. Well, in today's episode, we're going to get straight into it. I am joined by Neil Henderson, Lawson Craddock, and a short contribution from Larry Warbass to talk about routines and consistency in endurance sports. And as I was recording these guests, my wife Gretchen thought that it would be nice that I share some of my own routines and the importance of consistency in my life. So I'm going to hand the microphone over to my wife Gretchen, who is going to ask me about my routines and the importance of consistency. Gretchen, I don't even know what you're going to ask, so take it away. Welcome to Breakfast with Boz with Mrs. Boz here. Just a short little cameo. I spent some time with Ian in Nice witnessing some of his routines, and I witnessed his routines here in Vermont. So I am curious to hear a little bit more about how your routines differ based on the place you are in at the current moment. So tell me a little bit more about your routines in Vermont versus your routines in Nice and how they're similar or different. Well, they differ greatly. When I I lived in Nice, uh, especially when I was alone over in Europe, I had the freedom and the privilege to be a professional athlete in which I had all day to really just look after myself. So my routine has stayed the same I'll say this. The first 30 minutes of my day have remained more or less the same for probably the last 10 years of my life. I wake up. I make a cup of coffee. That is first thing. As I'm drinking my coffee, I usually check the news, see what's happening, check emails and and whatnot. And then before breakfast, I almost always every day do a very short stretching and kind of core routine. It's pretty simple, um, takes about 10 or 15 minutes. And I just feel like that's a great way to start my day and get moving before I before I eat and kind of before I dive into what is work now and what used to be work going for a bike ride. And I guess the biggest change between now and when I lived in Nice was or is that I I love riding my bike first thing in the morning. So when I was living in Nice, I would oftentimes try and get out early as as early as possible, usually by eight or nine o'clock, um, try to get the day done. I also had more time to ride my bike. So if you're going to be doing a five or six hour ride, it's nice to get out early so you can get back before it's dark. My schedule now is a lot more I don't know, complicated in the sense that I'm I'm working, so I have maybe less freedom to always ride first thing in the morning. So I've been able to adapt my routine and kind of schedule to to try and ride at various points in the day, either early morning or sometimes in the evening after work. 
But that's probably been the biggest change as far as my personal routine is not always riding in the morning. Yeah, I've certainly witnessed that. I'm curious when, I know routines are very important to you and your lifestyle, and especially being former pro, they were a really key part of your just daily habits. I guess that's what a routine is. I'm curious when you get off track with your routines, like maybe something comes up that derails you from continuing that routine, what gets you back on track? Um, Is there something that you do for yourself or something that you remind yourself to get back into those routines? What I found for myself, the best way to get back into into my routine, because my routines and kind of the consistency of you know, that I strive for really starts at the beginning of the day with waking up, having a coffee, doing that stretch. And that kind of sets me up more often than not well for the rest of the day. So if I have a day, you know, you think about things, you know, holidays or, you know, different times of the year when it's just, it's very hard to kind of keep to your own routine. My train of thought is that, you know, get through the day, go to bed and just make sure that when I wake up the next morning, kind of get back on that routine that I so much desire and enjoy. And that really helps me in, in all aspects of my life. So just trying to, you know, focus that, you know, I wake up every morning, I have the opportunity to jump back into that routine. Something that you say to me fairly frequently, and I think you brought it up with uh, one of your interviewees for this podcast is the concept of Kaizen. Is that something that you could utilize to get yourself back on track? Can you explain it a little bit more? Yes. Kaizen is a philosophy of I guess of of anything really, but incremental gains to seek long-term improvements, but very tiny gains. I read a book, I don't know the author, but yeah, the Kaizen way, I think it was called. And essentially it was just saying that if you're looking to, you know, get healthy and, you know, let's say you want to run a 5K, literally just start by standing on a treadmill every morning for a minute. And then, you know, after a week, then you start walking on the treadmill for a minute. And before you know it, you've had, you know, this such small incremental gains of, you know, progress that it's almost unnoticeable. And I think I've noticed that in, you know, in cycling, especially when you go out for the first long ride of the year, it feels like you're out there forever. And, you know, your, your mind wanders and you, you know, don't really want to be out there for five or six hours. But once that becomes normal, and once your, you know, Kaizen has kind of caught up with, where your mindset is at, then it all of a sudden feels like it's part of your daily routine and you've made such small increments of of change that it's almost not noticeable over the course of your day or life. Routines are certainly helpful, especially in a marriage. You know, it's a good thing in any aspect of your life. I know one routine that I miss that also fed into your routines in Nice was going down to the market and getting those one those one euro vegetable buckets because that also sparked some creativity. So Routines are certainly helpful for keeping us on track, and uh, a nice way to start them off is at the new year, too. Exactly. Well, let's dive into today's episode. First, we're going to hear from Wahoo Sports Science master Neil Henderson, and then we're going to tune in to hear from professional cyclist Lawson Craddock of Team Education First, NEPO, and my good friend, Larry Warbass. Joined once again by Neil Henderson. Neil, you're becoming quite the uh, regular on the podcast. Uh, thanks for the invitation. So I'll, I'll uh, keep talking to you as long as you keep calling me. All righty. Well, uh, yeah, the listeners sure enjoyed the episode about aging and sports. So I figured can keep you on and uh, yeah, pick your brain a little bit more about our topic today. And it's a new year and a great time for riders to either reestablish 
routines or create new routines and then trying to find consistency so they can get the most out of themselves as athletes. Off the top of your head, what are some key kind of markers of finding good routines and being a consistent athlete? Yeah, there's, uh, I think so many folks that get into endurance sports and cycling are highly motivated. And in some cases, it's about tempering the motivation so that it is sustainable and not kind of get into the like full throttle fits and starts. It's those periods where you keep consistently doing things over time where you're going to find the greatest gains. And that is not just, you know, day in or week in, week out, month in, month out, but, you know, year in and year out, having that kind of consistency is really, really important. And so it's about finding a way to keep yourself motivated through those kind of lulls where some other folks tend to fall off a little bit and kind of hit the stop because they ran out of motivation. I think motivation is a a, a big, big one and being able to to manage it, both the highs and the lows is a part of that success. Yeah. When I noticed that in, in my own career, I, you know, was surrounded by a couple of British guys at team sky, you know, closely to, to Pete Kenna and I guess Chris Froome and the, the contrast between the two athletes was immense just as far as how they approach their kind of consistencies and routines. You know, when I was with Pete, it was very much, you know, 110% or completely switched off and we're, you know, hanging out on the beach, drinking a beer, you know, not thinking or talking about cycling, but then we'd go to an altitude camp and it was like, you know, training way too much, eating way too little. And it was a huge extreme, but on the contrary, someone like Chris Froome, and I'm sure you've worked with plenty of athletes who are like this, it's so methodical and the gains daily are so minute, but over the long run, you know, they know, okay, in six months time, I need to be here. And it's just, they're chipping away, you know, a little bit every single day and it's much more sustainable but it's, you know, mentally maybe more challenging for some riders and athletes to actually, you know, everyone wants to see a 10% gain in a month, which is great, but it's maybe not going to be as as sustainable. Is that correct? Absolutely. And for sure, I've seen, I've seen and worked with athletes over time, ones that really nail it and do it well. I would say probably one of the greatest examples of a, of a consistent athlete who reached the highest levels was a, a triathlete named Cameron Dye. He was absolutely a, a machine in his training of being able to do exactly what he should do that day, not more, not less. And also listening to his body along that way. And when it was time to do less, like it was purposeful. It's not just less training because he didn't feel like training because he had probably done too much at other points. It was more like, okay, I'm feeling a little sick. I'm a little run down. I need to pull back or I feel a little, uh, little something here and my knee is a little bit tweaked. I'm just going to back it off for a few days and then be able to pick things up and, and be on it where some of the other younger athletes that, that I coached that were kind of getting started and trying to say, get up to Cam's level, they would come in swinging for trying to match what Cam did on his workout. And it's like, well, he's five years into this journey. You're like five months into it. You shouldn't be doing what he's doing right now. You need to work with where you're at to get where you want to get to. That's how, you know, whether it's Cam die or, or, uh, you know, other phenomenal cyclists like, you know, I mean, Rowan, when I started working with him as a Neo pro, it's like, it was okay. Where are you at? And let's work with that and keep moving forward. And so I think that's a big part of it that, you know, don't let your motivation overpower 
where your current level is. Because if you just try to work where you want to get, you you just don't get there. You have to work where you're at to get towards those goals. It's another really big, important part of it. And having that kind of maturity of, of working at the right level of an intensity of where you're currently at. Well, when we when we speak about routines and consistency, it's almost kind of they're almost one and the same. I would I would assume because if you're if you have a routine, you're more likely to be consistent. You know, I mean, you're going to hold yourself if you have the same routine every day. You know, how important is you know consistency in in training? And you know, this is speaking to a large audience. You know, you have pro athletes where consistency is you know seven days a week versus maybe an amateur athlete, consistency might be, you know, three days a week. But how important is that consistency within your training plan? Yeah, absolutely a major part of it. So if we think about that, there's kind of the 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 habit, you know, forming a habit, whether it's a good habit or bad habit, takes some level of repetition before it becomes what is kind of like your your new normal. And so whether you're trying to make a positive change in your, you know, consistency of training, it's going to take several weeks of kind of pushing against the the inertia of change until you can establish that to be then your kind of more normal and consistent routine moving forward, or in some cases changing and, and eliminating a choice or, or activities or t- uh, time spent that isn't helping you something that, you know, whether it's, you know, having, you know, too much to drink or too much to eat or eating the wrong foods or any of those kind of things in terms of the change in consistency and habit forming there is also something that takes several weeks and it's going to often take a, a bit of increased uh, attention and, you know, uh, effort to make that change and then it'll be easier to sustain. Yeah. I mean, I think that's something we can both speak to from personal experiences. Once you initially establish that routine, it can oftentimes be very difficult in the first weeks to, you know, whether it's waking up earlier or stretching daily, it's really the small things. But once you, you know, kind of the the Kaizen philosophy, you know, small gains, you know, all of a sudden you realize, oh, I've been stretching every day and all of a sudden I'm doing, you know, 20 minutes rather than 10 minutes. And it just becomes part of that routine. And you, you know, you realize the benefits and start to make, to make time for it. Definitely. You know, the old uh, Newtonian physics applies, you know, body at rest tends to stay at rest and yes. acted upon by another body. It doesn't yeah. mean another, you know, outside body as a person. It can be like your motivation is that then outside force. Uh, to change that trajectory that you're currently on. So uh, it's easier to keep things moving than it is to get started again. So that's the other part of, you know, motivation and and consistency is as you're moving along the right path, you know, you can deviate a little bit and it's easier to get back on that path than when you're starting something new. So everybody needs something like, okay, if somebody's never done strength training, then, you know, they're now in their forties or fifties and it's something that they've heard they should do and they get it start. They're trying to get started. It's something that they're going to feel more discomfort. There's going to be that, that, that kind of muscle, soreness that's can really set in and it's going to take several weeks for the body to be adapting from a physical sense as well as then that mental part of like if it's something you've never done you're not going to be at a very good level to start in most cases unless you have this you know innate you know super ability that you just find that you you know started doing it and you're really you know really good at certain moves or exercises something like that which does happen but by and large. That was one of my questions. If have you have you seen athletes throughout the course of your coaching career that, you know, really don't have a routine and they're kind of all over the place, but they still manage to perform at a high level? 
Ooh, uh, I'm trying to think of examples of somebody who is just all over the place. Let's just say they're all they're they're all over the map with their training, and they have a high performance over a long period of time. And off the top of my head, I can't think of them. I've seen them where they they come up quickly and have some good performances, but then they fall away. It's the, that that lack of sustainability over over a period of time is what we see as the result of not having consistency routine and and kind of reasonable progression so somebody can come up hot and have a good season but then they fade away and never do it again yeah you're talking about consistency even over the course of a career not just a month or a season you mean i mean these are if you kind of break this out into a you know 10 year period you're seeing athletes who are consistent performing more consistently over you know an incredible amount of time Absolutely. And still, you know, in many cases, we see continued progress after years three, four, five, six, if they're doing it right. A lot of times, you know, people set a short term goal and they do everything, you know, hair on fire to try to get it done in year one. And then there's not much more to go from. Like, I I think of like working with juniors, you know, when I was coaching Taylor Finney as a, a 15 and 16 year old his training was like 12 hours a week. You know, he went to the Olympics with like 14, 15 hour training weeks as an 18 year old, because that was his level where he was coming from. Now I've seen, you know, individuals, juniors out there that train like 18 and 20 hour weeks. And to me, it's like, well, where do you go from there? You know, when you turn pro, okay, you're going to do 30 hour weeks every week, you know, all of a sudden as a 20 year old, like that's not a great problem, you know, not, not a lot of, uh, progression possible if, if you've tapped it all out in you know two years three years you should be able to continue to add layers on and be able to get faster and be able to do a little bit more work appropriate to that development kind of cycle as well from a, a younger perspective as well as from from that older perspective there's a similarity there yeah i mean that's definitely something that i noticed you know in my kind of middle years of the, my pro career was that how much more young riders were training you know, they were training at the same level that i was when I was a first year pro, when they were 18 and I was like, goodness, where are they going to, I mean, there's, I mean, yeah, theoretically you could train 50 hours a week, but I don't know for how long and for how, how productive that would be. But yeah, it is kind of like peeling back the layers of an onion, you know, one at a time and kind of keeping, keeping, you know, even if you're a junior or if you're just kind of new to the sport, you know, not jumping in and, you know, it's so easy now to get information on what the pro riders are doing and everyone thinks, oh, well, you know, X, Y, and Z riders are doing 25 hours a week. So that's what I need to be doing. And that's not always the case. Therefore, yeah. I mean, I have a, you know, a saying, and I don't know, it's not just mine, but don't just do something because you can. Um, you know, it's possible, yes, but is there purpose and is there progression possible it is a question that I often ask in kind of the training sense. And, you know, I use an example like uh, in terms of the, like, just because you can, you know, should you, like, I can hit my hand with a hammer, right? <laughs> to what end and extent should I do? Like, there's really no purpose. So, you know, I could go and grind myself with a, a 30 hour training week, but if I don't get faster because I didn't have enough build up to that and it just breaks me down, I get injured, I get sick, I get burned out, you know, overuse injury, any of those things, like what was the purpose of that extreme overload? Like it would have been better to spend like three weeks doing 20 hours and then resting, then doing, you know, that one heroic, like, wow, I did this amazing thing. And now I'm crispy and hurt and I don't feel like riding my bike. That's, that's again, a big part of that. And for a, you know, your, your 
average rider, your amateur, your master's rider, like that big week, like 15 hours might absolutely put you so far over the edge if you're used to doing, you know, five, six, seven hours. And, you know, it doesn't require these extreme numbers that you see like a pro overdoing it with. Um, you can you can cook yourself in 12 or 15 poorly, you know, planned, not progressive hours when you have everything else in life going on, family and work and responsibilities and you blow up and you lose motivation and then, you know, you don't show up to the starting line of what you thought was going to be your important event ready for it at all. Yeah. I mean, that's something that I've always, you know, considered is, you know, doing, th- let's say you want to do a big training week, you know, doing three days of, you know, five hours, five hours, five hours is much better than doing a seven hour ride. You know, it's, it's only two hours more, but it it's enough to push you over the edge where like you need two or three days off. And then by the end of the week, you've actually done less training than had you just backed it off and come home, you know, while you're still feeling somewhat okay. Definitely. And that's, you know, one of those things I, I, I was actually talking to some folks last week. And so, you know, like lead, uh, steamboat gravel, lead bill 100, like I'm doing that double the weekend, the, the lead boat, Leadville Saturday and, and steamboat Sunday, it's going to be absolutely an overload. And I said, you know, the important thing here is like, I had a couple other people who were doing this. I said, it's not about right now, like going and doing epically hard, long weekends back to back, you know, here in January, it's about building a crescendo of increase of what you can tolerate and do so that you're ready for that, that you don't like just hit the fire, you know, full tilt right now. And by April, when the weather turns great, that you just feel like, oh, I'm cooked and have to try to like recover and then rebuild from an over, you know, overheating it. So it's about like a kind of progressive, like, okay, we're at this point right now, we need to be at this high point over there. And we're just going to build up towards it over the coming, you know, six, seven months rather than try to get there in two. Well, that makes me feel good about the upcoming gravel season because I see all these other riders, Stetna and Colin Strickland and Amity all, you know, in California doing these big miles and I'm putzing around for, you know, two hours on my fat bike and once in a while doing a, you know, a Sufferfest workout for, you know, an hour or so thinking, oh man, am I doing enough? But it's, it's a long ways off until the big races come around. Definitely. And you build that crescendo build up to that point where you're at a high point when it's most important, not, you know, March isn't going to matter. You know, May is not going to matter for you in some cases. One of my last questions is do routines change around the season? And one thing that, you know, I've always been fairly structured and I love riding kind of first thing in the morning and I wake up, have a cup of coffee, stretch, and then I like to be riding by, you know, nine, ten, if I leave at 10 o'clock, it's kind of a, like a late start for me, especially in the summertime. But mm-hmm. when you look at, you know, some of these longer events that, that either start really early in the morning, or you think about pro races, especially in Spain, that don't start until one in the afternoon. Is there any sort of benefit of leading up to events like that, trying to get in a routine that somewhat matches as close as possible to the start of that event? You know, if it's a 6am start, you know, trying to get your body, you know, almost prepared for riding at 6am if you're someone who normally rides after work, you know, in the evening. Yes, definitely. There's an element as you get closer to an event, the specificity of kind of the conditions and the time. So uh, we often call it like sequencing, like the days leading into an event. So like practicing what you do in the days leading up so that, you know, like, how are you going to feel? Like, what are you going to, you know, what's that going to look like from a, a schedule point of view? And you can, you know, if you don't have an event that's similar, you know, several weeks or a month out, you can kind of create your own like simulation of, of part of the event and those couple of days leading up to it. And specifically 
kind of the time of day when you train clearly if if you are always training at one time of day all the time and your event starts you know 12 hours different let's just say you you if you always train after work and you have this event that's going to start at 6 a.m and you've never done any training at 6 a.m you know you're you're not set up well for success so developing again the, the habit and consistency is good but then making some time to adjust and make sure that you're ready for that next change is going to be definitely an important thing to have a strategy in place and, and preparation and also the confidence that you're okay you can do this you're ready for that um the other part of that then is like the weather conditions you know as in the summer depending on where you're at you know how hot it is at what time in the sun and the you know temperature humidity levels all those things can be very different whether you start you know i know people you know if you're in arizona say in the summer like if they're not done riding by like 7 a.m they're they're gonna get smoked right you know tucson or wherever it's 110 degrees like okay so that's totally different time of day than again if you're doing some track races in the afternoon and in somewhere else where it's not as hot and so having a little bit of practice where you change and, and are ready both for the conditions that you're going to experience in your event, um, as well as the time of day, which you're going to be performing is something that you need to consider, you know, several weeks before and adjust and adapt your consistent schedule to be ready for those things. Okay. It's not just a shock that you've never practiced. Yeah. Well, in, in closing here, I'm going to fire off a question that, that may be hard to answer, but is there a single most important routine to improve performance? Is it consistency? Is it recovery? Is it, you know, stretching meditation? Is it, is it too hard to put it on a single kind of a single routine? Yeah. I would say the consistency, like moving with frequency is, is probably the number one. Okay. Yeah. So being establishing a routine and being consistent with it is is going to be the most beneficial for maximizing your performance. Yep. I would uh, definitely say that that big C consistency is is the first and foremost. Alrighty. Well, you heard it here from the master of training endurance athletes, Neil Henderson. Thank you once again for joining, and I'm sure we'll be speaking soon. Absolutely. And thanks so much. Alrighty, Lawson Craddock, first time on the podcast. Thanks for joining from Austin, Texas. How are you, buddy? Yeah, I'm good. Thanks for thanks for having me, boss. I mean, uh, it's good to talk to you again. It's good to hear your voice. We uh, we go way back. We sure do. You just sent me a picture today of. I'm not sure if you were giving me a hug or if I was giving you a hug <laughs> back at the I, old Livestrong days. I think it was a mutual hug. Yeah, mutual. Yeah, those are fun times. Yeah, yeah. out in front of uh, what we were. At, training camp down no, in Austin, yeah. eating out at Juan Pelota, eating some, you know, completely draining their supply of coffee and breakfast <laughs> tacos. I don't know. For some reason they gave us a, uh, they just said, Hey, put it on the tab. Put it on the <laughs> yeah. tab. So we just lived there buying like, just like seven lattes a day. Yeah. What was the, um, I think before I went, Ben King's like, Oh, you got to get the Mexican mocha. They had a, like a, maybe it's that oh mocha Azteca yeah. or something like a spicy mocha. They don't mocha. have it anymore. Yeah. They don't have it anymore. It's a bummer, but Sure, they replaced it with something else delicious. I think we just ran through it all. Well, we did. Well, speaking of of breakfast and food, let's talk about routines. You're gearing up for another season in the world tour. 
you've, I follow you on Strava, so I know that you've been, you've been back training. How does it feel to be back in the routine of a professional athlete? Yeah, it's good. Uh, you know, it's always a bit of a struggle to find like kind of what works for you. And, you know, it definitely, it's just always changing. Uh, my wife and I, uh, we just had another kid in October. And so, um, you know, we added that to, to our daughter who, who had just turned two as well. Um, and then when you start riding, you know, you almost have to figure out like, okay, this is what works for me. This is what doesn't work. You know, what I, what I used to do, like, you know, just, just can't really handle it anymore. You know, life has changed. And so, um, a lot of that, you know, first month or two months on the bike is just trying to, like you said, like just find that routine of, of, you know, waking up and, and, and running through your morning practices and, and doing the best to prepare for your day on the bike or, or training or, or work or whatever. And then, um, yeah, just trying to fine tune that throughout, you know, throughout the winter. And, uh, so that way when you, when I can head over to, to Europe, you know, beginning of the season, I, I have everything dialed, um, you know, but then I throw it all over up on its head by moving my family across seas. But it's been good. It's been really good to be back training. I've been loving spending time with the family, the two little ones, and, and seeing my wife become such an incredible mother is is pretty special. Well, and because you you know you do have two young ones running around now, and I'm sure that the the off season is probably incredibly full of you know activities and looking after kids, and you know you just had a you know a child during the off season. Are there is there a specific routine that kind of signals like the start of the new year for you? Is there something that you start doing that you say, okay, like, you know, I don't know, maybe for you, it's, I stop eating barbecue time to start getting serious yeah. is there, or as I start doing, you know, stretching or, or whatnot, is there any sort of like single kind of identifying routine that you begin once it's time to kind of get that sensation back of being a professional athlete? Yeah, uh, definitely. I mean, it's definitely, uh, you know, it's a different lifestyle, you know, our off seasons that uh, we usually have a, a month off in October and kind of rolls through November is very different than, uh, than what we do when we're leading into these biggest, bigger races. Um, you know, we have basically four months or four weeks out of the entire year to actually live a normal life. So generally we go pretty, pretty hard overboard. And in terms of the, uh, yeah, like you said, the barbecue, the, the beer and, and whatnot, but you know, and, and, and that kind of, runs in through a bit, but over the, the course of like, you know, November, December and, and heading into January, you kind of just, I like to, to tone it down just like little, little by little, you know, I, I find that making these really big transitions from one phase to another is, is actually really, really tough. You know, you go from, from living one, one way for extended amount of time. You can't just, just turn that up on its head and, and, and change it overnight. So for me, it's kind of just, slowly getting the routine of things of, of focusing more and more, you know, on the bike, on, on the professional side of things. So by the time mid December and, and the holidays are, are over, um, I'm just kind of running full gear. Uh, you know, I, I have my, my, my setup that I, that I go through every morning and, and, you know, waking up and, and drinking my coffee and, and just making the same breakfast and, 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 you know, making sure I get out on the bike at a, you know, more or less the same time every day that I can, you know, that way my body is just prepared for that. The, uh, the way my, like my mind is just ready to do certain things at, you know, certain times. And it's just a practice to get there. And I found that when, when I do get in those, get into that, that routine, it's just, it's just so much easier to, to actually follow it. You know, it's so easy just to kind of screw around and, and, and take one day off and then, 
but you know, one day turns into two and two turns into a week. And the next thing you know, you're, you're just off the, off the rails. So for me, it's a lot about just kind of running through the same practices every single day, getting to the point where, you know, that, that is my comfort zone. And that way I, I can, you know, progress and, and grow every day. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. And it does, you know, seem like for most athletes, it's kind of like this build to your your key events, like you're gradually, you know, whether you call it making more sacrifices or your routine gets more dialed, you know, you kind of keep refining things as the season goes on. And I'm not sure if you found this, but I've always found it interesting how once that event is over, you very quickly forget the routine that you had and you try to jump back into it, you know, after you've you know taken a couple of days off, but even mm-hmm. then, you know, challenging to kind of just jump straight back into that routine that you've you know been trying to keep and building up to these big events. Exactly. I mean, just like how you, how, you know, training goes on a bike, you know, you have these, these periods of, of kind of working your ass off to, to, to peak for a certain goal. You have to, you have to train that at in every aspect of your life, you know, you know, whether, you know, for me, it's, it's training on the bike or it's, or it's fatherhood or, or being a good husband to my wife. It, all those things take a lot of time, you know, and it's not something that you can just jump into and, you know, transition into overnight. It's a lot of work and a lot of, you know, sometimes a lot of frustration to get to that point. But like, you know, once you do get there, you know, you, you find yourself just not stressing about the little things because, you know, all that stuff is is already kind of set up perfectly for you. Well, and I, I know you don't have a, a team training camp coming up right here quick, but, you know, you do have training camps before some of the Grand Tours. Do you find once, you know, and I heard this from older riders when I was racing, that especially riders that have kids, they go to a training camp, they're like, oh, finally, I can like really establish my routine. Is that something that you find is even able to, you know, allow you to focus even more when you're at a training camp and you're away from your family for, you know, even if it's just 10 days or two weeks to really focus out on the things that you add to your routine when you have more free time, you know, whether it's taking a nap or stretching or meditation, anything like that? Yeah. I mean, for me, I, I actually found like, I, I, you know, do really well just working from home, uh, being in one place for an extended amount of time and just, you know, being with my family, you know, that that's where I am happiest. But yeah, there's definitely points in the season where you can say, okay, uh, big goal coming up, you know, my, my season is kind of, you know, revolves around this, this one, this one race. And so I'm going to, yeah, go up to altitude or, or do whatever and, and just go live like a monk for a couple of weeks or so. And, and that's good, you know, and, and for me, it, it works sparingly. Um, it's not something I could do, you know, a couple times a year. Uh, I, I think in the end, I'd probably be min- mentally more fatigued than, than I would be physically fit. And so that's something that I, I really try and focus and, and work on as well. But yeah, I mean, it's definitely a lot of moving parts that go go into it all and just trying to you know, find what works for you. You know, and I, I found that, you know, I spent the first couple of year, years of my career just looking at others and trying to emulate, be like, well, if this guy's doing this, like, obviously it works for them, you know? And, and you know, I've, I've tried to do that and failed quite miserably. And it took me a long time to realize that everyone is built different. And some people can, you know, live off of, off of, three, you know, three pieces of lettuce a day or or whatever and and stay up at altitude for six months and 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 whatnot. But, you know, that doesn't work for everyone. So that's been a a kind of big learning curve for me is that, yeah, you just have to find what works for you and and you have to try and continue to evolve that. You know, you don't want to sit there in one one place and just say, okay, this this seems to be okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna just sit here and master this. You just gotta keep working and and growing and and 
figuring more out about yourself. Yeah, I mean, some riders need altitude and and salad. Others need Stubbs barbecue and and Lone Star <laughs> beer. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, now what? I mean, are you you're eight years into your world tour career? As you kind of look look down the road, look forward to this season. Is there any thing you would like to add to your routines or your, you know, kind of consistent habits that you would like to add going forward? Or do you feel like you're, you know, it's just constantly evolving and changing? Yeah. I mean, it's definitely, you know, always changing, you know, we'll head over to Europe at the end of the month end of January and, and kind of start the season. And, and then you, you, you know, the practices that you've gotten into over the last, you know, couple months are, you know, a lot different, you know, you're heading to races constantly, you know, you you're on the road for 10 days, you're home for three days, you're on the road for 20 days or whatever. So you're, you're just trying to, trying to get through that on, on the other side and in, in the same way. And then that can be really difficult too. So, you know, once we get over to Europe, we're, we're fortunate to have our home base in Girona and, and have, you know, pretty deep roots there as well, which, which really helps. And, and for me, I think that's just the most important thing is that, you know, you can thrive in any environment as long as, you know, you're content where you are and you're, you're happy with, with, with what you're doing. So I'm pretty fortunate to to be in that spot in Texas and also in, in Spain. And yeah, really can't wait to, to get over there and get the season started. Awesome. Lawson. Well, I'll let you get back to your two young ones and your wife. Thanks so much for taking the time and all the best on your travels over to Europe and the start of the 2021 season. Yeah. appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Bonjour, mon ami. Larry, how's it going? It's going well, man. How are you? Uh, I'm doing all right. Yeah, it's uh, back at it, huh? Training camp 2021. How are things settling in? Yeah, not too bad. Training camp just started today. And uh, yeah, we have a good group here. And yeah, it's a little bit different in the COVID times and everything. But uh, happy to be here and starting the season again. Well, we spoke about a week ago. Um, You were back in Nice. You'd made it safely back to Europe. And you were kind of getting everything dialed and ready for the for the upcoming year and training camp and trying to find the best place in Europe that has decent weather. And it crossed my mind that you would be a perfect person to speak to about consistency and routine as an endurance athlete. We've spent countless hours together on, on mountaintops or training around Nice. And we've observed each other both in positive and negative lights. Um, both of us kind of sometimes taking different avenues to what we think is best for us to to do to get <laughs> to get faster and, and lighter and everything. But with with it being a new year and obviously it was a strange year last year, is there something that you change in your daily routine or consistency that kind of signals the start of the new season? I'm sure this probably happens kind of back in, you know, December or even November when you start training. But like once you get back to Europe, is there something that identifies, all right, like a routine that you do that marks the start of your season? I mean, I definitely think like for me getting back like a little more focused on the diet uh, after, you know, all the holiday celebrations and stuff. Yeah. That's like the sign that like I'm getting more focused and serious, you know? So yeah, like as you know, is like I track uh, my food and my calories and stuff a lot. So, uh, so yeah, when I start to do that, that's like definitely a big switch and, you know, me getting like super focused. I'm not doing that at the moment, but, uh, but yeah, I think that's sort of like a big sign for me. And that takes me a little while to like work into and actually get going. But yeah, that's definitely when I'm like getting really focused. That's probably the 
number one thing that I'm doing because um, I'm always training pretty well in general. Are there other routines you've established over the years? And I know when we've spent time up at altitude together that you do intermittently a regular kind of stretching. I don't even know what you call it. You have some name for it. But... Yeah, I guess that that's like a uh, yeah, foundation training. Foundation that's training. like uh, laughing because we were talking about that at dinner actually today. But uh, yeah, that, that's actually, I guess, maybe these all go in steps, you know. So first it's like starting to train more seriously, you know, like starting to do intervals, you know. Then it's like maybe starting on the diet. Then maybe the last cherry on top is adding in that like foundation training. Like uh, that that comes after pretty much all those things, I think. So that's when I'm really focused is when I'm doing foundation training every morning. <laughs> and do you feel like you, I mean, based off the seasons, the upcoming races, do you feel like you kind of cycle through your routines? I mean, is it something like you said, it's almost, there's different patterns, but if you know that it's, you know, you're training hard, then you start doing your diet, then you're doing your, you know, morning foundations. Is this something that like before, you know, two months out before a grand tour or something, you really notice that that routine becomes more important to like kind of sticking to a daily, you know, routine to make sure you're going to show up at the race ready to go. Yeah, I definitely think like it gets me just in a good like habit, you know, uh, well, the other thing I do when I get like pretty focused is I meditate. So when I'm like, I guess it's when I'm adding like a lot of these things together. That's, that's, as I progressively get more focused, I add in all these things, you know? So like in the off season, I do none of them, you know, I just kind of like let it go and like be free and, you know, uh, enjoy myself and don't really try to think about all the little things. And then it's like, all those little things adding up. So I kind of like add them in layers as I get more focused, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, it, it definitely does. And I, you know, I've noticed that just throughout my, my time racing that, you know, you, and you find a routine that works really well. And then you go to race and, you know, the race is over and you kind of let loose for a couple of days and it's, you almost forget how important that routine was to get ready. It's, yeah. You very easily yeah, exactly. drop off the edge. Well, that's one thing I've definitely tried to like maintain through races the last years now. So, uh, so yeah, I try to like, you know, do my foundation training every day before the races. Like, you know, I try to find an extra 10 minutes here for that and a 10 minutes for meditation and, you know, like things like that. And I think like when you try to like do all the things the same wherever you are, that's when you're really starting to get dialed. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of, I mean, that's one thing that I found and we spent, I can't even remember what year it was, but 20, maybe 2014. Oh, we did a few years. Yeah. Yeah. But I remember my most insane routine was when we were up at Isola. <laughs> I, uh, yeah. We're trying to get ready for races pretty quickly. And uh, we were up at altitude and yeah, I, I ate the same meal for breakfast, lunch, and dinner with well, different meals at different times of the day. But for what we like, was it 10 days straight? The I, rice and tuna diet. Yeah. I had a bowl of oatmeal for breakfast. I mm. had a recovery drink for lunch and for dinner I had rice and a can of tuna. I was telling my roommate here about this yesterday, I think. Yeah. It was incredibly productive for getting lean real quick, Weight but loss, it, it but didn't. Not yeah. probably good for health or strength. No, no. And it, is that one thing that you found? I mean, you've been at this longer than I have now or than I, before I stopped. Is there something now that you, even routines and things you would like to add to your, you know, just daily habits that you still want to do or you know you should do, but it's just maybe it's one more thing? Well, I think like all those little routines I said, you know, it's like 
at the moment, I'm not really doing a lot of those. And so I would like to start doing those more, you know, and it just takes a little bit of time and a little bit of effort and you have to push and like, you know, start it and, you know, you're a little bit rough for the first like few days or weeks or whatever on trying to be on top of it. And then after a bit, you know, you kind of like establish a routine. And then, yeah, so I guess I would just like to start establishing those routines right now. And it's also probably hard at, I mean, at team training camps because you're kind of on someone else's schedule a lot of the time. And I know that you are not always one that likes to ride first thing in the morning. Is that something <laughs> that you have to have to change when you're at a training camp? Well, no. I mean, we ride at about 10 at the training camp anyway. The only annoying thing is if we have to do core workouts at like 7, you know. And that's a bit early, but yeah, I remember that it's, you know, I'm, as you know, I love the early mornings. I love waking up and riding first thing. Yes, you do. For some reason, I, I always struggled at the training camps to wake up, you know, in the summer I wake up first thing in the morning, I'm ready to roll. But in the winter, sometimes I'm like, I do not want to get up first thing in the morning and go to the gym and do a workout before even having had a cup of coffee. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's tough, but I guess, I guess once you, yeah, once you're in the rhythm and routine, then it's, then it gets easier, you know? And do you have any advice for any, any aspiring athletes out there or anyone looking to improve any, any sort of routines or just structure that you've added that's been incredibly beneficial? It sounds like the meditation, even as you add more, you know, kind of layers to your training, does something like meditation, have you found that to be a beneficial part of being an athlete oh yeah i mean yeah being an athlete and just a human being you know i think like it's a daily life that's a huge uh huge help you know it really helps you deal with stress and stressful situations and so that's that's definitely something i'd recommend like pretty universally um i just think like well that that can like you know it keeps you so much calmer and you know you have less like freak outs and stress and you know less things really bother you so much so for me, that's uh, been a really good addition um, to my daily daily routine uh, over the last few years. And does the timing of you know all your kind of routines does that matter to you? Like, is it you know you're going to always do foundation mm-hmm. in the morning? You're always going to meditate before bed, or is it can it for you? Is it flexible? I think it can be flexible, but the easiest is to do it at the same time every day because then it becomes a routine, you know, rather than like you know changing it. But if you know, for me with meditation, for example, like I can do it before bed or I can do it when I wake up. But usually like if I do it before bed, then I regularly do it before bed. Or if I do it before I wake up, I regularly do it when I wake up. So yeah, I think, you know, it depends on the person. But for me, I find like doing things at the same time every day is important. Well, Larry, thanks so much. I know it's getting late over there in Spain. Well, I guess it's probably no just worries. about dinner Thank time. <laughs> but all right, buddy. We'll yeah. uh, catch up soon and good luck with the training camp and the start of the season. Awesome. Thanks, Ian. Well, there we have it, folks. Another episode of Breakfast with Boz being served by Wahoo. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Thank you to all the contributors, Neil Henderson, Lawson Craddock, and Larry Warbass. I will be back next week for a conversation with Phil Guyman talking about what he has planned in the coming year. So until next week, folks, stay safe, stay healthy, and I'll catch you all right here next week on Breakfast with Boz being served by Wahoo.